Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transportation Exchange Podcast presented by Rush Truck Centers of Canada. I'm your host, Jason Cuddy, and on today's episode, we're excited to welcome Kevin Holland and Kyle Mackey from Navistar Next eMobility Solutions. Kevin, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having us, Jason. So I wanted to have you guys on to walk us through some new emerging technology that is definitely hot topics with most fleets, uh, US, Canada-based. Um, but definitely it's it's kind of you know, the next thing coming. So I thought we'd start with maybe give us a, a kind of an overview of what exactly Navistar Next eMobility Solutions is. Uh, that's a good question. We get, we get asked that a lot, Jason. And what we're looking at is... Um, you know, with this new technology, the 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 e-mobility zero emission vehicle technology, the industry hasn't seen this kind of uh, of introduction of technology since the introduction of the internal combustion engines. That that much different, I think, that we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, it's it, it's something we felt very strongly that we needed to have an organization set up that would help usher this new technology in and make sure that we had top notch customer experience. Uh, we didn't want anyone feeling uh, scared of the new technology, being concerned about it, uh, being afraid of it. And we think the the, the uh, having a, a consulting arm to lean on is very important in ushering in the new, te- the, the new technology. Kyle, what do you want to add? Yeah, the key here is just helping our, our customers in this transition. It's a it's a it's a new experience. There's there's move, lots of pieces involved as far as having the proper charging equipment. What does this mean for my fleet? What does it mean for my routes? How do I plan my routes with these trucks and their capabilities? Um, so yeah, working with the customer, like Kevin said, is really important to make sure that everybody is not only comfortable, safe, but also successful in this transition. Excellent. So I know from a product point of view, I know, I know from our world and in the rush world, uh, we're looking forward to, I guess, for 2022, starting to see some of the EMV product line hitting the streets. Um, you know, what's the overview on that as far as, you know, specs and, and what can people expect to see with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the EMV is our first uh, zero emission vehicle product that we're launching into the market. Uh, it was actually put into production last year in August, uh, full production in November. Uh, first customer customer deliveries are coming up in uh, in late January, early February uh, for the truck side of the business. But something to point out, Jason, is that we actually have a similar platform uh, for the EMV with our school bus, and so we've actually had product in the field for a few months now. And uh, and Kyle can talk about you know where we're, what we're seeing with that product. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. So, Jason, we we launched this bus product uh, the. ICC series electric school bus actually in Canada. Um, the terrain is uh, pretty interesting up there. The climate is obviously tough, but we've had great success. Uh, the school districts are very happy with the performance. Um, you know, going on with this consultation piece and, and helping the customer along the way, we kind of got them prepared for what this might look like and what routes we can use. Uh, we took data off their buses to make sure that their vehicles, uh, uh, we can do what we say we're going to do, which was very helpful, which we offer our EMV customers as well. Um, but yeah, we've had a great success up there, as I said, um, and even more orders coming in since then. So it's, it's been a great experience up in Canada. We're also delivering our buses in California at this time. Um, both products are very well. They're very similar, as Kevin said, platform-wise, component-wise. It was a double validation plan, basically, uh, between the bus and the, and the uh, EMV, straight rail chassis, same, about, same approximate weight, um, uh, it's been a, it's been a good time. And, and like I said, we've had great success with both products looking forward to the future. Thanks, Kyle. Jason, you also asked about, you know, what, what we were looking at from the EMV spec perspective. Uh, you know, we're, we've got a box truck configuration, 
a work body configuration, a flatbed kind of configuration available. A wheelbase is anywhere from 217, which would be a 20 foot box, all the way up to a, a 272, 26 foot box. Um, both available in a 20, uh, under 26,000 pound GVW and a 33,000 pound GVW spec. Uh, same product, just badged differently uh, for different, uh, different applications. I would say this truck is an air brake standard vehicle at this time. Um, to Kevin's point, there's several different options and wheelbases, and we can talk about why that is as far as the configuration of our components and stuff. But um, anything else, Kevin? Sorry about that. No, I was just going to add the, the, the battery options that we have, 210 kilowatt hour batteries on there, which got about 135 uh, usable mile range. We can talk about range more in the discussion, but uh, when you look at realities of what's really available uh, from a range perspective, that's a, a good place to start. Yeah. And and I think the, the sweet spot for this truck, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, being a salesperson in the organization for this vehicle is, you know, everything started kind of with the class eight, because that's what we always see the industry as class eight leads, everything is the volume sale, all that stuff. But reality from an, from an electric point of view, these trucks make way more sense. They come home every night. They don't go as far, you know, the, 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 the go-to-market for this, to me, is a lot more practical than a Class 8 vehicle in all reality. It, it really is. And, and if you look at the, you know, a lot of the other manufacturers went right for the Class 8 tractor launching. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that there's so much focus on cleaning up air quality in the, you know, the Long Beach corridor. And a lot of the uh, California incentive monies have really been focused on tractor applications for the drayage trucks. Um, you know, you look at that, that's still it's still an emerging technology, really, uh, in all aspects of the space. But when you look at what's really doable right here and right now, the medium duty space is very doable for this technology with the technology we have available off the shelf. Uh, the EMV being the first medium duty vehicle uh, available in production. Uh, it's a very good, solid vehicle, very well built for the application. Uh, that we, you know, applications that we have it targeted for. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a product that you can put in the field today and be proud of. Yeah, and I think, you know, from what I've seen so far, just, uh, you know, from layout, I think the other nice part is you guys haven't gone overly crazy on the futuristic part of it. The driver gets in, it's still a very similar truck to them. It's not this whole new technology they got to wrap their head around. Yeah, I'll let Kyle, uh, you know, answer that. But that, that's a good point is, uh, this is the 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 MV. It's the, an electric version of the MV. Good quality uh, off-the-shelf technology that we could put on the product today and get it in the field and, and consumers' hands. But it is the same truck, right? It's it's not a stall-built truck. This truck is going down our production line uh, in in Escobedo, Mexico today, and soon to be going down the production line in in uh, San Antonio, Texas, which is our new plant that's being developed. Uh, but again, it's a very consumer friendly vehicle that's ready to hit the road today. Kyle, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, Jason, I always make a comment that uh, my grandmother, she's never driven an MV, but I promise she could drive the EMV. <laughs> uh, it's very comfortable. Uh, as you mentioned, we didn't go with the um, the futuristic approach, the Jetson approach with touch and, and all sorts of things. Um, we're very happy that with this EMV, we launched the MV with a new body look this year, a new redesign, which was awesome and had a lot of positive feedback uh, so far. Um, but like I said, getting in, turn the key like normal. Um, we've got a great state-of-the-art instrument cluster that gives the driver all the information they need to, ne- need to know, as well as status of their battery and range and things like that. Um, but like I said, it's very comfortable. All the other dash panel uh, is the same for the cu- for the customer to to just get in and do what they they're used to do and driving the great product. Fair enough. So, and I think as this rolls out, 
a lot of people again got excited with the tractors came out, put out deposits, but spots, you know, kind of bought into the marketing hype of, of this new technology. Um, but there's more to it. You got to kind of understand it's not as simple as put the order and wait for a truck to show up and drive it. You know, there's, you know, there's, you know, a handful of things you need to consider that you guys actively work with, you know, customers on to, to really understand the practicality of this product into their fleet. Does it work? And, you know, can basically feel like words consult them, you know, through the process. May kind of walk us through what's involved. Customer walks in and says, I want to add, e, you know, EMV to my fleet. Where do they start the conversation? Yeah, Chase, that's a, that's a great question or a great, great comment. You know, and that's one thing we're really proud of is, is we believe that we're helping our customers be successful, as I said. Um, anybody can take an order for a truck, as, you, as you're well aware of, right? But being able to use that truck, be able to charge that truck, you know, um, the marketing numbers you mentioned. Unfortunately, there's some out there that are just a little bit um, unrealistic. So working with the customer, taking data off their vehicles today, and then simulating it with an electric vehicle and showing them what that looks like to verify, hey, this truck is going to do what we say it's going to do. Um, there, there's a phrase we use in the office that, that you know, not every, um, every fleet or every route is EV ready, but every fleet's got a route that is EV ready. So we just got to find which route that is. Uh, the charging, I mean, that in my important opinion, that's, that's the most important part. The truck is the shiny ball, but how do I charge that truck? How do I make sure it's ready to go the next day to get, get my work done? Um, the connecting to it, making sure the vehicle is sending messages. We get, we have a thing called on-command connection, which is our telematic system. Our fleet managers can monitor these vehicles remotely. So we teach them how to do that. Um, but also after delivery, you know, working with the customer on training, driver training, how do I drive this, this vehicle efficiently? What do I do in an accident? How do I tow the vehicle? Uh, my technicians, how do I keep them safe? How do I do, you know, proper high voltage lockout tag out? These are all things that we as a company here at Navistar and Next Mobility, we're proud to help with. Um, even, even bodybuilders, we've built the same truck for the last, I don't know, 30 years, right? Well, now we have to talk to bodybuilders and tell them we can't cut and weld frames wherever here, you know, work with them to show them what the high voltage cables are. Same with first responders. We've got a great first responder program out there as far as keeping those guys safe on guys and gals safe on the road too. you know, where we can turn off the high voltage, where we can cut, where we can't cut and, and um, you know, and then just get the information out there. But uh, as our group here in Rochester, we're very, very excited to, to help our customers and everyone involved uh, in this process. Kevin, anything else you want to add? Yeah, good, good, good uh, comments there, Kyle. I, I would add uh, first of all, um, you know, the, I think the big thing to note this year in 2022 is that we don't have diesel av- vehicles available uh, generally available for purchase, but we do have you know EMVs available for purchase. So we have line slots open, uh, and if customers wanted to take uh, an EMV on, you know, like purchase an EMV. Uh, like Kyle mentioned, there's steps in which we need to go through, and we have a whole consulting arm as part of the next mobility solutions group out of Rochester Hills that helps walk customers hand in hand um, all the way through, uh, you know, uh, specking out the vehicle, um, identifying range opportunities or, tar- you know, uh, uh, route opportunities for particular vehicles that might be uh, available for or able to, to, to meet the range needs of the vehicle, uh, work with customers on uh, delivery timing, upfitting of the body, et cetera. Uh, and as Kyle mentioned, uh, a big one is the charging solutions because that is, a, that is a, the, the kind of the time, uh, most time sensitive time crutch that we have is making sure that the chargers are in place uh, in, in the operation to make sure that when the vehicles show up, that we have the ability to charge them. And to that point, Jason, you know, I mean, all of us can go on Amazon right now. We can find a charger, right? I mean, you can buy one and have it shipped to your house this afternoon. 
Um, but unfortunately, it may not charge the vehicle. There, there's several different, there's different levels of chargers and we go through that process. Uh, we invite customers to come to our facility in Rochester Hills where we have several display chargers on display to talk through that. Um, our vehicle is using a standard J1772 combo CCS1 adapter, meaning it's very common across the industry. Um, we didn't want to put ourselves on an island with a proprietary charger in case a driver is out and about and can charge at the local uh, you know, museum or something while they're making deliveries. But um, that charging piece is very important, not only to understand how much time we might need to charge our truck as far as which speed we need to be able to charge to, um, but also understanding um, what my infrastructure looks like. So we work with the customers to understand how much power is coming into their building. We really do a, it's called, what's called a site assessment to make sure that there's enough power available, but not only today, but for the long-term, what's our short-term and long-term goals for our electric vehicles. You know, if we have to cut up concrete and put a new conduit, let's do it once. Let's not do it every time we want to order a new truck. So working with uh, customers to understand their plans and, and getting that stuff ahead of, ahead of time is important. To Kevin's point, you know, uh, some of our customers in California have been on a list for 12 to 18 months waiting for uh, power companies to come do the upgrade. And, and unfortunately, it takes a long time. But if we get this process rolling pretty early, um, early on in the conversation, then then it helps out with that timing. And um, also, once we get the vehicle on site, we want to make sure that when we plug it in, it's going to work just right. So we do what's called commissioning of the charger to make sure the charger works. So all these things are important, um, you know, and some of our competitors may not be talking about that, but we spend the time to make sure our customers are, are ready and successful. That's fair. I think it's a key point because, again, the focus, like you said, has always been on the truck. Um, and obviously, that's what everyone sees on the road. And that's kind of, you know, the, the main talking point. But really, to make it all work, the heart of it is in the charging piece. And I know from talking to customers who've looked at this, you got two different scenarios traditionally. One is retrofitting existing equipment, uh, or sorry, existing locations and understanding time frame, cost and what's involved in that. And that's great to have someone like you guys involved from the consulting side to really explain to them what you need. Um, but I think what you're starting to find now is anyone building new facilities definitely seem to be, you know, adapting and having this kind of built into the, to the new design and production. So again, a consulting piece of talking to them as they're going through the design phase, you know, and through the, uh, you know, getting the electrical engineers involved, whatever is required as they build out new facilities, having your input from the start is a lot easier than, like you said, ripping up concrete a couple of times afterwards when you can do it. But the consulting piece, I think, is a huge part that people need to understand is component to making this vehicle work properly. And to add to consulting, too, we've got the grant side of it, right? So there's lots of uh, federal money out there. And, and with the current administration, there's more popping up every day. Um, but customers may not realize that that's an opportunity. There's grants out there that help with just infrastructure that can help with uh, some of that charging purchases. Um, so what we do is we actually we can find the grants. We can help our customer understand what those are. Um, we don't write the grants, but we definitely assist in that and then executing the grants. Uh, some grants require, let's say, disposal of diesel trucks, and, and some of our customers can't do that. So if it works for them, then great. We'll help them move forward. If not, then we'll try and find another one. Um, so consulting is a big one. Charging is another one that we, we focus on. Um, something else we're proud of. Um, is the fact that we build them in our in our facilities. Our engineers are helping with the the controls work, the the validation work. I mean, we have our own proving grounds in Indiana where we test our own product, which you know, a one stop shop. It's not gliders with third party kits put in. Uh, we're very proud of being constructed under one roof. Um, 
as I said, connecting, you know, the telematics is very important, making sure that fleet managers understand not only where their vehicles are, how much charge is left. If there's another route that need to take, we can log in, we can check it out and see how much battery is left. Um, we can check the charging status at night. A fleet manager can say, hey, is my truck going to be ready at 6 a.m.? Great. Um, so working with that and, and, as I said, just letting everybody know the possibilities of what's available. And then the last thing we really like to talk about or help our customers with is what do we do with that battery at the end of life? You know, there's a lot of stigma out there that batteries are going to ruin the world. We're going to throw them in the dumpster and throw them in the landfills. And that's just not right. Um, we've got a couple different options for our customers. We can refurbish the battery, maybe use them for a different vehicle. We can repurpose them. That seems to be a very popular option as far as uh, use them for energy storage. Uh, the worst place for a battery is in a vehicle. It gets beat up on the road, climate, short charge, fast charge, all that stuff, right? So what we can do is when the battery is uh, deemed not suitable for driving anymore, there's still probably about 60% of its life left. We can reuse that battery for energy storage. Um, I hate to keep on using California, for example, but, but you know they have a lot of power issues when the sun goes down because they rely on solar power. We can store some of that energy in these these old batteries and, and use them as battery backups for the buildings or use them to charge our vehicles during peak electricity time. So giving that option to our customers, as I said, and as Kevin mentioned, it's a real end-to-end white glove service for our customers. And the conservation part, I think, is an interesting one because I don't think it really comes up, you know, when you talk about the trucks. You talk about range, you talk about charging, you know, obviously it's it's a green vehicle as far as an emission point of view. But there is always that back-end concern of, okay, when, a, when the end-of-life product is done, you know, what was really the, you know, the environmental impact on the vehicle. And, you know, a lot of large companies, their focus and mandate is to go green, at least a portion of their fleet or all of their fleet by a certain time frame. But I think they still have to make some sense when they go through the procurement process and really make some nuts and bolts of everything. And I think the conservation piece to me, the way you explained it, it kind of really helps wrap up the whole procedure saying, okay, look, here's all the benefits of it, but still at the back end, we still have additional benefits potentially we can tap into that aren't calculated necessarily the ROI of the actual vehicle from a capital cost. Correct. Correct. And the only thing to add there, Jason, we, we believe a lot of the materials within the battery, the raw materials within the battery are recyclable. So much like a lead acid battery, the vast majority of the product uh, can go back into the pipeline after second, third life, whatever it is. Yeah. So like I said, so it's got a, it's got another home somewhere else again, which yeah. is not always factored in the initial conversation. So, you know, on average, understanding, you know, the taking parts availability out of it, which seems to be the, the hardest part of it all. You know, someone comes to you today, says, okay, I'm interested in it. Walking through from the initial conversation, to potentially when a vehicle is kind of in operation, what's the average time frame to go through the whole kind of consulting process in, in general? Well, I think Kyle kind of hit on that um, up front. Our, our pacing item usually is the charging piece of it uh, right. for most customers, because, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the areas in the United States and, and the buildings that our customers are in, uh, maybe a bit out of date uh, with electrical service coming in. So that tends to be the pacing item. And we could see anywhere between, uh, like Kyle said before, it can be six months um, or less on, in a good in, uh, installation. And it can be upwards of 18 to 24 months, depending on how busy the power company is and how bad the facility is. Sometimes we have to rip up concrete to put in conduit. Sometimes we don't. And that's really the variable that you have you know, all, take that out of the equation. If you took the charging piece out of the equation, you know, currently we have line slots available within, you know, a couple months of, of taking an order in right now. Um, and we will, we theoretically should have that availability through at least midpoint of this year. Uh, we, we're seeing more orders than we anticipated. Um, and so our line slots are becoming very coveted. 
but uh, we do have extra capacity in the network. So charging is really the pacing item, but if you take that out, it could be anywhere between four and six months uh, from point of order to actually having a vehicle in hand. Fair enough. That's, I mean, that's good to know, right? So at least, you know, when, you know, people are listening to this or if I'm talking or anyone's talking to, to the customers, just part of it is, is expectation. You know, obviously today's build slots for internal combustion is you know, totally different ballpark than it normally is, but you know, it's, it's meeting expectations and making sure that people understand the whole process, which is why, you know, I want to get some clarity to, to everyone as far as what you guys do, as far as the, the consultative approach to this, because understanding it's not as simple. Like you said, we could order a truck today, four to six months, get a truck with the box on the ground. And, you know, we could be 18 months out till we can charge the thing. So I think going in with open eyes, fully understanding what's involved, getting you guys involved from the start to get those conversations going, uh, you know, with the customers or with the people who are looking to add this to their fleet so they can start poking around and getting some timeframes and they get some real expectations of when they can look at, you know, adding this type of product to their fleet is, is important. Absolutely. Excellent. So, I mean, for me, that, that kind of really gives me a good snapshot of, you know, the product high level of, of what to expect, you know, for, especially for this year with the, with the EMV and kind of wrapping our heads around, you know, how, how to go about starting the process of, you know, procuring and, and adding it to your fleet. Um, any additional points, you know, with, with regards to the technology to, to add on top of what we talked about? Well, I think, you know, the thing for everyone to keep in mind is this is very much an emerging technology and zero emission vehicles are here to stay. Uh, we're going to get better with the technology every year that we have it. Uh, you know, you look at things like battery chemistry, that, that'll that'll change very rapidly. Uh, you look at uh, optimizing uh, the engineering work on the vehicles to make them more efficient and effective. Uh, E-axle introduction, very, very important in the overall scheme of things. Um, but, you know, don't forget that there's other technologies coming up like hydrogen fuel cell as well. Well, we have that in the background uh, that's happening for the, the longer range vehicles. And so, um, you know, zero emission technology is here to stay, but we will have the technology that's right for the right application. Excellent. No, well said. And like you said, there, there's there's more to it. It's an evolving technology that evolves quickly. So, you know, I guess as I always say, stay tuned and keep updated as far as what's coming down the pipe and what you guys are bringing to the market. And it's, it'll be exciting to see what, what comes not only this year, but in years to come as well. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to chat with us and kind of give us some insight on the new EMV product and kind of the steps involved in adding electric vehicles to your fleet. And with that, I conclude today's episode. And I want to thank Kevin and Kyle from Navistar Next E-Mobility Solutions for joining us. And to catch up on past episodes, check out transportationexchangepodcast.ca. Until next time, thanks for listening.